1 Samuel 17, 48 through 54 is where we're going to be this morning. We'll give those that are just joining us time to turn there. I want to bring you up to speed on some stuff that's happening in our community and around. Uh, it looks like the ban of uh, stay at home and social distancing is still going to be in effect for a little bit longer. But it looks like at this point, May the 10th, we will be able to go back inside our building and fellowship. And so we'll be able to have an in-person service on May the 10th. Now, the majority of the churches are planning on going back that Sunday. There are a few that are not going to go back to service on that Sunday, and that's okay. So with that being said, I want to tell you, if you do not feel safe, if you are a candidate to receive the virus or you think that you might be exposed and you want to stay home, please stay home. Do what you feel comfortable will keep you safe. But we will do all precautions necessary here to make sure that the facility is safe and we're going to meet with our deacons and our Sunday school teachers before we go back and we may look at changing around some of the way we do Sunday school so we have a wider space so people are not sitting as close together but still be able to have a Sunday school class. We will not start meals back until the fall, probably around the time school starts back, before we start back any of our meals. So we, we're going to do things differently, but we're still going to do church. We're still going to be able to worship our Lord and Savior. We're still going to be able to honor Him and praise Him. We're just going to have to do it differently than what we've done before. And with that being said, there are reports coming from around our nation and around the world of people because church is being done differently that thousands upon thousands are coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it's because the church is not empty. The church is being deployed to go out like we were originally intended to do. So it is a good thing that we are having to change up and we have been stuck in a rut <clears throat> for so long that we have just thought it it's okay if nobody shows up and it's okay if nobody's here. But in the last few weeks, we have seen that the church going out and reaching out, we are reaching communities, we're reaching homes, we're reaching families, and we're reaching entire cities for God by changing the way we do church. So this morning, I want to encourage you that even though church looks different, it's still church. Ever how a church is conducting services, they are still having services. It just don't look like it used to. I told some of them a few minutes ago, I have never actually preached wearing sunglasses. But after staring into the sun last week, I decided this week I would wear sunglasses. 
and I've never actually preached where I had on more sunscreen than I did cologne or aftershave, but I've got that on this week. So there are things that we're doing differently, but we're still honoring our Lord and Savior by doing them. So 1 Samuel 17, verses 48 through 54. When the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David brought his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into the forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took off his own sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him by cutting off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Akron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharam as far as Gath and Akron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his own tent. Let us pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your word that you've given us. We thank you for the ability, Lord, that you have allowed us to understand your word. And, Father, for us to be able to dig deep into it, to realize that your word is still active and alive in our lives today. Father, we, we praise you for the reports that are coming out from around our nation, around the world. And, Father, we are honored to know that you have accepted us as your child and that we can be a part of the kingdom that is reaching the lost and dying through the grace that you bestow upon us, through faith that you restore to us, and, Father, through the love that you pour out on us. And, Father, today as we look in your word and we see that we have the right and the ability to reclaim what the enemy has taken from us, and it's all through you. And it's all through because your son Jesus died on that cross. But most of all, it's because your son Jesus rose again on the third day to guarantee us a freedom, a victory over death, hell, and the grave, that we can reclaim life and we will be able to live forever in your presence in our heavenly home. Father, we thank you for these that have come this morning. For those that are in the neighborhood that are listening and those that are watching on the internet, Father, we thank you for their presence and their support. And Father, we honor you this morning with our praise. And Lord, we pray all this in your Son's holy name. Amen. Church today, how many times in the last five to six weeks has the enemy arose and come at you? 
We started out this chapter that seeing for 40 days the enemy presented himself before the army of Israel. And there's no difference in what they faced in the same time period of our lives. Every morning as we rise, the enemy rises to present himself before us. But take notice just what happened when David arrived on the scene. Saul and his army had been there, camped out, and they were there every morning as Goliath would walk out and challenge, just send me one person. Just send me one person that's willing to come fight. If he prevails over me, then you will rule all over the land of the Philistines. But if I prevail over your warrior, then the Philistines will have your land and all your possessions. And so for days, on day's end, that did the Goliath walk out and present himself. In church this morning, I want you to know that many of us sitting here in this parking lot this morning have been challenged every morning when we rise by the enemy. And the enemy is saying, send me one thing that can challenge me today. Send me one thing that you think can defeat me. And if you send that one thing out and it wins, then I will bow down to you. But if you can't send me one, then you will bow down to me. Church, today there are many people sitting here and around our, our country and the people that are listening to God's Word this morning from several different churches in our community and around our nation. There are those people that every morning when they rise up, they're rising up against an enemy of financial threat. There are people that are rising up against a physical threat. There are people that are rising up against a mental threat. There are people that are rising up against an addiction threat. And that all of those threats are telling us, if I win today, you've lost. And they're all saying, send one. Just send me one that can fight the battle. And if that one can win, I'll let you go. Well, church, today is just as David went out that morning. And Saul said, here, load him down with all the things that the world has and let him go fight. And we saw it last week. David said, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to the world telling me how to do and what to do and when to do it. I'm not used to the world telling me I have to do things this way or that way. And many of us have grown that way in all of our life. We have grown up thinking I can do ever how I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, and it's okay. I never thought, and neither did you, that you would have to stand in a store and be counted to whether you can go in or not. We've all had the freedom of being able to walk in and walk out at any time that we wanted to. We've all had the freedom to make the choices for us and our families without somebody else telling us what they can do. Well, this is what the Israel army fought this time. They were standing there and Goliath saying, you can't come this way, you can't go that way because you've got to come through me. Well, he said, send me one that can challenge me. And David went to Saul and said, I'm that one 
And the reason that he was able to go and be that one is because he knew God was on his side. Church, this morning we can be the one in our community that can lead us out of the bondage that we're in when we stand and say, God is on my side and I'm able to go because he's there with me. I don't have to fear the battle that I'm going to fight. God's son's already won the war and that's the only one that we ever need to send before us and that's God's son, Jesus. When David arrived on the scene, he didn't cower down. He didn't run the other way. And I know some of y'all, if we were inside, might want to get up and leave at this. But David didn't wait on an organization. He didn't wait on a committee. He didn't wait on a board. He didn't even wait on the finances. No, he ran quickly toward the adverse adversary to engage him in battle. Church today, too many churches are sitting and waiting on somebody else to do it. We're waiting on somebody else to take the responsibility. We're waiting on somebody else to be the one that says, I'll go while you sit. David said, we all need to challenge this adversary and we all need to go straight at him, but we need to go with the power of Jesus' name. Church, today we need to be so deeply grounded in the knowledge of God's words and promises and His provision that no matter what enemy rises before us, we can run straight toward it quickly without hesitation. When I was a a younger guy, young man, back in high school, and I was playing ball, and, and, and I, was, I, was, I was a lot better shape then. I wasn't near as good looking as I am now, but I was in better shape. And we would go out and we would practice and we would play and we would go out to the games. And our coaches would tell us, don't wait for them to come at you. You go at them. Well, church, I'm going to tell you this morning, it's time the church got up and quit sitting around waiting on the enemy to come attack, and we started attacking the enemy and telling him, Today, I am the one that God has sent to fight this battle. I am the one that God says can win through the power of His name. I am the one that has been filled with grace, mercy, and love that stand the test of time because I receive it from His Son. And the reason that you and I can proclaim that and go fight that battle is because God's Word says that greater is He that lives within me than he that lives within the world. So if we have Christ on our side and in us, there is nothing outside us that can ever prevail over us unless we allow it. Church, this morning I want to tell you up front that Satan himself doesn't even hold the keys to his own house. And we, as God's children, need to quit letting him have the keys to ours. We need to take back what is ours. And we see here in 1 Samuel 17 that just a few minutes we're going to see where God says, Take back what's yours. 
And church, this morning, it's time we at Riverton take back what is ours. And that is our homes, our communities, our schools, our neighborhoods, and our state. We need to take that back this morning because God is on our side. Church, we need to be able to reach the word, the world by the word of God. We need to be able to look in God's word and pull out what we need to be able to defend off the enemy. We find that in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 that we are given a perfect example from a perfect Savior. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 is the story of Jesus going to the wilderness. After he's been baptized, he's leaving his home. He's leaving everything, and he's going out in the wilderness, and he's going to be tempted by the devil. And we find that every time Christ was tempted by the devil, we find that he quoted God's word to defend off the battle. He quoted scripture from God's word to tell Satan, you don't have authority over me. You don't have power over me. You don't have dominion over me because I have God's word and it says we win. There is not a battle that we cannot win if we follow God's life way instructions for us. And those words of instruction are right here in the book that he left us. And I'm going to tell you this morning, it does not matter what translation you're reading as long as you're reading a translation that says that Jesus is king and God is forever sovereign and we are his children. Matthew records that after the the baptism that he was tempted and tormented. How many of you can remember the day you were baptized? Boy, you came up out of that water and you were excited and you were happy and you were so filled with God's mercy and grace that you felt like you could take on the world. And the next morning you stood up and you got out of bed and you started down the hall and your little toe found the doorpost and it stubbed that little toe up pretty good. You got in the shower and you discovered that your spouse or your brother or sister or somebody in your family had taken the shampoo out and now you're soaking wet and don't have any way to to wash your hair. I remember when I used to be able to do that, but I don't remember that so good anymore. Or you walk down and you start getting dressed for work and you're already running late. And you lean over to tie your shoes and the shoelaces break. And everything, all that joy, all that happiness, all that security that you had the day before is now gone. And you've been tempted and you've been tormented. And the world is saying, see, God's not there. God is still there no matter what happens in your life. I've had people question and say, if God is so great, why is this virus running so rapid? 
It did not take our Lord and Savior by surprise. He knew it was coming. He knew it was going to happen. But he also knew that his love would get us through. He also knew that his grace would prevail for us. And he also knew that his son dying on the cross gave us the assurance that we have life and have it everlasting. And when we can quote that scripture to the enemy that's coming at us, then we win the battle. We don't have to cower down. We win. So when Jesus went in the desert, in the wilderness there, and he was tempted, he quoted God's word. Church, we need to be able to quote God's word. We need to have scripture in our heart and in our lives that we can use and pull out ready to fight off whatever enemy comes at us. Notice here again, Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. There seems to be a theme through the Bible about 40 days of tempting and trials and torture and torment. I saw a thing the other day that says, how will we know when this virus is over with? We can release a dove from our bathroom window, and when it flies back with a sheet of toilet paper, we'll know the virus has ended. Church, today, we need to be able to send out God's Word and it not come back void. Because the actions, the deeds, and the lifestyle that we live are being an example for the lost and dying. And they can say, look at that person. If they're that happy in this time of torment, I want what they've got. We've been told all of our lives by media and by advertising that we don't have what we need unless we have what they want us to have. Church, this morning, what God is supplying for us is better than anything, anything that this world can advertise or man-made. God's Word is what got David prevailed because when he went straight at the enemy with the power of God, he won. And church, today, we can do the same thing. When we go straight at the enemy with the word and the power of a living, holy God, we win. Verse 51 tells us that David struck down the enemy. And some of our Bibles will tell us that the enemy fell dead. But if you go back and you look at the word dead there, for in the Hebrew, it find, it's determined that he was knocked out that he was knocked out cold. David took this man, David, who the Bible scholars will tell us was less than six foot tall, a small framed young man, took on this giant that was nine foot nine inches. Now standing side by side, there's no way David could win. Physical upon physical, David is falling short. But when he reached into his bag, well, it's like we can reach into God's Word. And when he pulled out a stone, we can pull out a nugget of truth that, out of God's Word that we can use to defy and defend ourselves from the enemy. 
And when David slung that stone at the enemy and it struck him, it said he fell down unconscious, knocked out, unable to fight anymore. Church, this morning, when we hit the enemy with God's word, it will knock them down and, and, and render them unable to fight the battle anymore. And then David went over, and because he had left the world's armor behind because it was too heavy for him to carry, because it weighed too much and it burdened him down, and that's something we as God's children need to worry, learn today is we need to take off what the world tells us we have to wear and what we have to do and how we can talk, when we can meet and where we can meet. We need to lay all of that to the side and pick up God's word that says, I am with you always, always, even to the end of the world, I'm with you. And pick that up and start wearing it around. So David went over to Goliath, laying there on the ground, unconscious, not able to move, not able to get up and defend himself. And it says that David himself took the enemy's own sword and killed it. Not just kill it, but he cut the head clean off of it. Church today, we don't need to just knock down the enemy and leave it laying where it can come back and attack us later in our lives. We need to remove it entirely from our lives. And how did David do that? David used the enemy's own weapon against him. Now, many of us are sitting here today, and the enemy is trying to use our past, some of us our present, and some of us our future, against us to keep us defeated. And let me tell you this, church, this morning, that God said that whatever you did in your past, I'll forget as far as the east is from the west, and I'll remember it no more. And I will be with you all the way to the very end. And you'll be with me as a child of mine in heaven. And as for the present, I will never forsake you or leave you. So when the enemy tries to bring up our past, our present, or our future, you can bring up the cross and you can use it as a weapon and it will defeat the enemy to where they no longer have any power or control over your life. He used a weapon that the enemy brought and the enemy is trying to use it against us. But when we turn it around and use God's word, God's word, we have the victory. And no matter what weapon is formed against us, it will not prosper. Isaiah 54, 17 actually says, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall not refute, you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the Lord, servants of the Lord, and their vindica vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Now read that real slowly and understand that he does not say there won't be a weapon formed. He says it won't prosper when it's formed. Church, this morning, the world is going to have weapons that they're going to try to use against us in everything we do. 
They're going to tell us that we cannot meet, that we cannot share, that we cannot love, we cannot give, we cannot hope, we cannot praise, we cannot worship. They are using weapons forming against us, but it will not succeed unless we allow it to succeed. And I love the fact that it says that you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Did you notice before David or anybody in the Israel army went out to fight Goliath, he never drew a weapon. It said that he stood there and he used his mouth to challenge them. Church, today the world is using their mouth to challenge us and we need to be able to use our mouths to refute what they say, but we need to use the word of God to be the refute because God's word says that he is our vindication for the trials and troubles that we are facing, for the burdens that we have and the places that we're going to go. He will vindicate us for being there. I know one time as a young man, I, I thought, well, I can do a lot of things and I can be all right. And I remember as a child that I, I told my grandmother, my little five-foot-tall, red-headed grandmother, and I know later in life I figured out why she was red-headed because all things that are dangerous need a warning label. So God made her red-headed. And she was able to stand her ground with all of her grandkids. Even though she had to look up to us, we knew she meant what she said when she said it. And one time as a child, I decided I was going to test that. Then I said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to. And my grandfather walked in the door. And I don't care how old I got or how big I got, that man still had the power in his hand to tell me I was going to do what she said. And so through that lesson, I learned what it was to be vindicated by something of authority. And church, today, the world will learn how, what it is to be vindicated by the power of God if we'll refute them with the word of God. Not our words, not our wants, and not our needs, but God's Word. And if we share that and we claim that and we stand on that, God will vindicate us. All of our past that we are ashamed of, God will vindicate us from that. All the temptations that we stare at and come at us in the world, God will vindicate us from that. All the financial shortfalls and outcomes that we have, God will vindicate us from that because we have to trust in God's Word. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to drive out of here in a brand-new Cadillac when we walk out or drive out. That's not what that means. But God will supply the need that you have, not your want, but your need. The Israel army needed a warrior. God supplied it. David needed power and strength. God supplied it. You needed salvation and God supplied it. God will vindicate us from every tongue that comes against us. 
I remember the old story of the old rhyme when I was a child, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, we've allowed the world to turn that around and tell us that their words have more power and more might than anything there is. And if you don't believe that, just take a look around today that there is more fear running rampant by people telling stories and broadcasting lies than they ever will of them telling the truth. Our world today is filled with people that want to cut us down with words. But God's Son said, through God's Word, that He is our supplier. He is our Savior. He is our warrior. He is fighting the battles for us. He is the one that will win because He is. He didn't say, I am, or I was, or I used to be, or I'm going to be. He said, I am that I am. And that is what he is today. I heard an old preacher, and I've said this before here, that said that he heard a man say, God am good. And he said, yes, sir, but that's dramatically incorrect. It should be, God is good. And he said, he sure am. God in my life has sure am good to me. He has given me what I needed when I needed it and brought it through how I needed to receive it and who I needed to receive it from. We were on a missionary trip in 1983. I was 18 years old. I knew everything that I needed to know. We're riding down across the great state of North Dakota headed into Montana, and I'm laying in the floor of the Winnebago, and one of the girls said, are you going to study for any of your sermons? I said, I got them all ready. Don't need to worry about that. About that time, I closed my eyes. The driver of the Winnebago hit a bump, and those great big, huge Thompson's chain reference Bibles that they used to give everybody when they announced that the Lord had called them into the ministry, you know, the one you could lay on a coffee table and the tornado can't even pick it up. One of them great big Bibles was laying on top of the refrigerator in that Winnebago. And when he hit that bump, that Bible fell off and landed square on my nose. Bam! And when I sat up and shook my head, she said, have you got all the words you need now? Church, when the Word of God hits you, it will give you power and strength like you've never had before in your life. And that's what the world needs to be hit with today is the power and strength of the Word of God. Isaiah said it again. He said, no weapon fashioned shall succeed. So the weapon that Goliath brought out that day had no hope of ever striking David dead because God was on his side. Church today, when the enemy falls at our feet, all the others that plan attacks against us will turn around and flee. And you say, I don't know about that. I want to tell you right now that once you defeat the biggest enemy coming after you, the other small ones will turn and run because they're not brave enough to fight on their own. 
They have to fight with each other. They have to be joined together. They have to be united as one. Let me tell you, when you stand with God and you're united with him, he's the one that'll win. He's the one that'll bring victory. He's the one that'll give you strength. So when you fight that first enemy, you fight that first battle, and you win with the power of God, and he vindicates your life, the others will turn and run. And once they turn and run, we need to do exactly what the Israel army did. We need to rise up with a shout and proclaim with a loud voice that we are victors through the word of God. We need to be able to hold on to the word and the power of God to fight every battle in our life. We need to proclaim with our actions, our words, and our deeds that God has won the battle for us. And we need to return to our homes and our families and our friends and our lives. And we need to bring back that with us that has been taken from us. And you say, well, I haven't had anything taken from me. Take a look at your life very closely. Take a look at what is missing in your life since the day you accepted Christ as your Savior. Take a look at your life and see what has been robbed from you. Do you have all the joy that you used to have? David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Do you have all the hope that was once yours? When I was a young man, I used to have dreams and I would hope for things. And as I grew older, some of those hopes went away. And that's because I allowed the enemy to say, you're too old to get that. You're too uneducated to do that. You're not eloquent in speech enough to do that. And all those things. And they tried to rob hope from me. Do you laugh as you often used to? And as loud and as hard as you used to laugh? Do you rest at night as good as you used to? Do you rest at night to where you wake up in the morning refreshed? Do you rest at night knowing that you're laying in the arms of a Savior when you lay down to go to sleep? And the next morning you're gently shaken awake by the love of a God that cares for you. Do you have that rest in your life anymore? Or has the rightful place of you being a child of the king being tried to take away from you? Is Satan reminding you of your past that says you're not worthy to receive it? Is Satan reminding you of the things that you used to do and telling you that God cannot love you anymore? Well, God's word says that I will love you to the end of time and I will love you no matter what. In verse 54, it said that David took off the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. And then he put his armor in his tent. Now this may seem gruesome to some. 
that he would reach down and pick up the head and take it with him. That he would reach down, a small statured man that would reach down and pick up such a large object and carry it with him. Church, I want to tell you this morning that when we defeat the enemy, we need to carry it around as a trophy to let the world know, look what my God did for me today. We need to quit telling the world, look how big my problems are and start saying, look how big my God is. We need to quit telling the world that you're right. I can't face this giant. But we need to start telling the giant, I can't face you, but you said bring one that can. So here I come with my Savior, Jesus. And when we win that battle, we need to carry that trophy around to show the world, I am the victor through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he also said that he removed the armor from that dead, lifeless body. And he took it with him to his tent. Now, why did he take off the armor? Why would he want that armor? He couldn't even wear Saul's armor, and Saul wasn't as big as Goliath by any means. Bible scholars will tell us that Saul probably stood about six foot six, and Goliath stood nine foot nine. And the weight of Saul's armor weighed David down, but yet he brought back Goliath's armor and put it in his tent. And what David here was doing is telling us and telling the rest of the enemies which considered him to be small, insignificant, and easily defeated that when he stands with the power and presence of God, he can defeat every enemy, any foe, any adversary that comes at us. And when when we remove the armor and we find the vulnerable exterior that cannot stand the test unless it's hidden behind a barrier. And isn't that just what the enemy does today? Isn't that how the enemy attacks us? The enemy hides in a bottle, crouches then a pill, slinks behind a syringe, curls up inside a pipe, or lays in a bed of deceit and lies. Remember, we found out that Goliath's name meant to expose, to bring to light that which was truly there. Church, today when we remove the armor from the enemy that's coming after us, we're able to see the weak, trembling, scared, and afraid little body person that it is because they cannot stand against the power of God. And when we expose the enemy for what it is, a liar with no truth in it, it will not defeat us. It may be formed, but it won't prosper. Church, today we need to strip off the armor of the enemy that they tell us we need to wear. We need to strip off that armor that which they says for us to cover all of our doubts, all of our fears, pains, and heartaches. And we need to strip off that armor of the world and let God heal our hearts. Many of us here today, if we went around from car to car to car and we said, how are you doing? Many of you would just smile and say, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. 
when the sad reality is you're wearing a mask because in your heart of hearts, you're broken, you're hurting, you're in despair, you've been fighting a battle and you don't want anybody else to know it. Church, this morning it's time we took off the armor that the Word says, the world says you have to put on. That's the reason so many of God's children are walking around in life miserable. It's because they're wearing the armor of the world. Instead of stripping it off and putting it behind them, they're wearing it out and they're saying, Oh, look, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm perfectly good. I can do this on my own. I had a pastor one time said he walked up to a man just before service started and he reached out and he shook his hand and he said, how are you doing? And the guy looked at him and in very, very plain language told him how he was doing. The pastor said it took him back because he had never had anybody say anything other than, man, I'm great. It's going fine. But this guy said, my life is a mess, I'm in trouble, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm sorrowful, I am in misery, and I can't get out of it. And the world tells me it's okay that everybody's that way. Just cover it up and go on. Church, today I want to tell you, God is waiting for us to take off the armor of the world and put on His armor. His armor that graces us with love that covers us with protection, that fills us with joy, that washes us with love, and saves a soul that is lost and dying and going to hell. That's the armor of God that we need to wear. And that old armor is found right here in God's Word. And when we put on the full armor of God, the full armor of our Lord, then we're no longer exposed to the world. And we're not used to it, and we're not uncomfortable, and it will not bear us down. Remember we talked about last week, come unto me, all ye that are laden. Yoke with me, my yoke is easy, and I will give you rest. Church, it's time we unyoked ourselves from the world and hooked up with God and found the easy of life. You say, oh, life can't be easy. I'm going to tell you something. Life can be as easy as you'll allow God to make it. You're still going to have weapons formed, but they're not going to prosper. You're still going to have tongues wagging and telling stories about you, reminding you that the greatest story ever told is that we win. The greatest story ever told was God sent His Son to die on a cross for you and I. Church, today I'm telling you, when the Israel army left and they pursued the enemy down, they went after them. They, they won the battle and they came back. And when they came back through the Philistines' camp, everything that was there, they took. And church, today it's time we come back through the enemy camp and take back everything that's been taken from us. It's our right and it's our guaranteed from the God's Word itself that we can go and take back what is rightfully ours. First thing we have to do is we have to cry out in a loud voice. 
And if you've been saved this morning by the power of God and by the blood of the Lamb, you need to shout out a hallelujah. God has won the victory. You need to raise a hallelujah that says, no matter what storm's coming after me, I win. Church, the enemy does not hold the keys to his own house, as I said earlier. Stop giving him yours. Take them back. It's time we claim back what is rightfully ours. Church, this morning, are you ready today to claim back what is yours? Are you ready today to take back what God gave you? Are you ready to take back the peace, the joy, the happiness that God said is yours? And you say, how can I do that? How can I do it? Very simple. We do exactly what David said to Saul. When David looked at Saul and he said, I have tended my father's sheep. I have watched over them. I have fought the lion, I fought the bear, and when they were in my sheep or even in the grips of their jaws, I went and ripped them from it. And I brought them back to the fold. Church, this morning I want you to know that if the world has you even in the grasp of its mouth, God's Son will pull you out of there. And He will bring you back to the fold and He will restore you back to the kingdom's hand and He will bless your soul and bless your spirit and bless your life. And David said, I go after Him not with a spear or a sword, but I go after Him with the Word of God. Christ told the devil in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted. They only record three times. Three of the temptations that he faced and every one of those. He didn't come up with something new. He didn't call on the angels of heaven. He didn't do anything. He went and got God's word and he called on the name of the Lord through his word and God set him free. church today are you ready to claim back what is yours are you ready to claim the victory back through god's son and tell the world i've got your armor and i've cut the head off that which accuses me and it'll no longer no longer have dominion over my life. No longer hold my family captive. No longer tell my community we're defeated. No longer will it tell my state that we don't have the right to worship. No longer will it tell the world that they have to fall down and bow down to a world that has needs that are other than God's needs. But it will stand the test of time and it will raise up a standard in God's people when we call on the name of the Lord and we know what his word says. So this morning I ask you, are you ready to reclaim what is ours? Father, today we thank you for your provisions that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. 
Father, most of all, we thank you for that salvation. Father, the salvation that comes from your son that died on a cross. And Father, when your son cried, it is finished, he didn't mean that he had lost. It meant that our lives were just beginning. Today, Lord, I ask that if there is one here in the parking lot today, one listening by podcast or one watching on Facebook or YouTube, Lord, if there's one that does not have the victory in their life, that, Lord, today is the day and the hour that they would find that victory. Lord, if there's one here today that says, I have fought and I've fought and I've fought and I'm growing weary and weak and I'm worn, Lord, let them lay down that burden. Father, let them take your word and cut the head off and disarmor themselves, God, from and quit linking up with that. And, Father, find freedom like they've never had. Father, if there's that one here today that's been bound by addiction, that's been bound by fear, that's been bound by doubt, that's been bound by, Father, defeat, Lord, let them walk out of here today full of rest. Let the broken be restored. Let the downtrodden be raised up. And let the defeated have victory in their life today, Lord. Father, again, we thank you for those that have come. Father, we thank you for those that have watched. And Lord, most of all, we thank you. Because you didn't leave us alone. You left us with the word and the power to win this race. This race we call life. To walk out holding our heads up high and praising your name. Lord, we thank you today for all that you've given us and all that you've done for us. And Lord, we pray all of this in God's Son, in your Son's holy name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Robbie and Steve are going to stand at the driveway. And if you have your offering or tithes and you want to drop them in, we'll have the, the bags there for you to drop them in. You can go online and donate through our Facebook page through the tithe.ly. You can drop off your offering and tithes. You can mail them in. Ever how you want to support the church. We do want to tell you we appreciate each one of you being so supportive of the church in the last few weeks. And that we are without you and without your contributions, we, we could not make it. So we want to tell you thank you very much for your help and for your attendance. And unless there is some change made, we'll meet here again next Sunday in the parking lot. And then the following Sunday, we will meet inside. We're still going to broadcast on our Facebook page and on YouTube, so you'll be able to watch there. But if there is any way that we can pray for you this week, Send us a text, call us, let us know, and we'll be glad to do that. And if you need to talk, you can call me and we'll talk. But thank you for coming today. Thank you for your support. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day.